our generation in this worldly life. And there is reason why Sunni Dawat Islami has initiated uh, this hope initiative and uh, there are many things to learn about it, why we need to do this and what is reason behind. Of course this is all based on the vision uh, which is given to us by our leadership, Amir Sunni Dawat Islami, Al-Hajj Hafiz Uqari, Maulana Muhammad Shakir Ali Nuri Sahab. Alhamdulillah, today's program, uh, as you must have seen on posters, is a talk show. You didn't receive Zoom ID where you can participate uh, because it's more of answer, asking questions to the guest who has joined us today in this session. And again, the guest who has joined, he doesn't need much of introduction. Alhamdulillah, uh, the son of one of the great personalities in Islam. Huzur Mufakir Islam, who has been inspiration for, especially for all of us and many around the world. Alhamdulillah, there are ulama, there are scholars, there are people, uh, intellectual people, Alhamdulillah, who turn to him. People who have spent even a moment with him, they cherish those moments in their life that they met Huzur Mufakir Islam, they spoke to him, they, they, they had some advice from him. Alhamdulillah, the personality or the guest who has joined here today, Alhamdulillah, he spent his life with this great personality, Huzur Mufakir Islam, the son of Huzur Mufakir Islam, Barrister Moinu Zama Azmi Sahab. Alhamdulillah, Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullahi Ta'ala wa Barakatuhu. Wa Alaikum Assalam wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuhu. Jazakallah, Moin Baik, for joining this session today to enlighten our audiences, Alhamdulillah, who join us from uh, many parts around the world. So it's not only UK, Alhamdulillah, there are people who join us from India, from South Africa, from America. And uh, as I mentioned in introduction, this HOPE initiative uh, was started a few weeks back here in UK. But this is uh, something which started in India with the name Umid. And that initiative itself, uh, as I said, this was the vision given to us by our Amir, but it was, uh, or it is run in the leadership, or one who is supervising this is Al-Hajj Qari Muhammad Rizwan Sahab. And Alhamdulillah, we had few different sessions, some were to do with uh, uh, writing CV, and some were to do with UCAS application choices, what someone uh, has once they finish college and there are more to come. But we thought, you know, people, they might be, uh, you know, thinking why, uh, you know, religious organization like Sunni Dawat Islami has come up with this initiative where they are trying to help people to better themselves in their worldly education, in their employment, or to give them skills so that they can better themselves in this worldly life. So we thought, you know, it is better to have some uh, talk show, some session, where we emphasize and give importance to people about worldly education without any doubt religious education is important and we do emphasize and this is the balanced approach which is given to us Alhamdulillah whenever they speak about it they always talk about balance and they talk about practical life what Muslims they need to live so inshallah uh, you know before uh, like to start with very first question you know which many people they'll be thinking today mm -hmm. is uh, do we really need to talk about this worldly education as an as as religious uh, organization? Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa salatu wa salam ala rasulahin kareem. Allahumma salli ala sayyidina wa maulana Muhammadin ma'adhin al-judhi wa al-karam man bayla ilmi wa al-hilmi wa al-hikam wa alihi wa sahbihi wa barik wa salim. Jazakallah for the introduction. Um, first of all, you have no idea how much um, happiness and pleasure it gives me that this initiative has started. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless it immensely. It is desperately needed. Um, and under the current climate of hopelessness, it is definitely a, a, a shining light. The question that you have asked um, is a very short answer, but I will elaborate. Um, I believe it is not only uh, something that should be encouraged, but it's something that is essential. It is fundamental 
for every single Muslim to be aware of the environment around him that understands um, how society works, how governance works, what the rules and regulations are regarding the environment that he's in, and how he uh, applies himself in the modern world. Only based on that understanding would he be able to apply correctly the deen. The deen itself, from uh, my perspective, um, and I've had to balance this all my life, deen and dunya, the deen is an essential foundation of a human being. It is an essential foundation. Without this foundation, a person is bound to fall. Except for the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ilm is in the Holy Quran and in our blessed religion, it's not something that is restricted to deen. If I briefly take you back the history, what has happened is historically in the Western world, there has been a disparity between religion and state. And this conflict has arisen as a result of certain monarchies who wanted to control uh, the society, which conflicted with religion. As a result, the agreement was that society will be managed by the secularist and the religious aspect, the church, would be only in homes and private beliefs. So this disparity happened, this conflict happened, which separated the two. Prior to that, my profession as a lawyer, only priests and canons and those who were religious, the muftis of Christianity, would be practicing law. And part of their rule was that they were not allowed to charge for their service. But as society became secular, only lawyers who practiced in the law of society, they started charging. And this is how it developed. Every aspect of life changed. Religion was set to private homes, secular society developed, education in sciences was only for secularists, it didn't have any religious belief in there. When the Western world colonized Muslim lands, they applied exactly the same principle. That deen was taken away to the masajids and the madaris, and school and education was purely on a secular basis. So every child that was developing was doing medicine, but didn't realize that all the uh, aspects of medicine came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything that is created for the human biology has a link from within our deen. Subhanallah. And, uh, you know, as we say, our religion Islam is based on intentions. All of our actions are just with intentions what we have. Mm. So if something is done with good intention, so even if someone is becoming a doctor, but if he has right intention of serving humanity, then even that will be rewarded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For example, uh, it's been said if any person who leaves in the morning with the intention of earning halal, and the reason he's earning halal is to save himself from poverty, to feed his parents, to feed his children, his every moment when he is out looking for livelihood will be written as worship and ibadat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And somewhere I think people, they lack uh, this understanding, they lack this knowledge. And that is the reason, uh, you know, if we look at the past and many a times uh, you must have seen, uh, we must have read it on internet about our glorious past, you know, about... The golden uh, era. Yeah. So have you got anything to say about it? <laughs> Uh, the glorious past is usually termed as a golden era. For six, seven hundred years, uh, the Muslim uh, Ummah has flourished uh, in knowledge. Um, and this goes back, the seed was sown by Rasulullah when he brought light to complete darkness. Um, and it developed and it flourished into the golden era where uh, after the Khulafai Rashidun um, came the era of um, the uh, Khulafai Umayyah and then uh, Khulafai uh, Abbasi. And in that era, it flourished to the extent where Baghdad Sharif, the city of Baghdad, was known as a city of knowledge, the city of advancement, the city of technology. 
the city of uh, where wherever you wanted to know where the 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 um, the most uh, advanced technology is, the most um, futuristic aspect of life is, you would go to Baghdad Sharif. So ulama and, and the scholars and the philosophers of all around the world used to go there, even to the extent where monarchies and their uh, children, their princes and the prince, they would go to Baghdad Sharif to learn knowledge. And it wasn't restricted to religious knowledge, it was knowledge of all aspects. As a result of which we have uh, Muslims who advanced in philosophy, uh, Avicenna is, is a famous name in philosophy. Uh, we have uh, Al-Khwazimi, which is uh, the uh, founder of algorithms, um, the basis on which we have the iPhones. Um, the first flight was by a Muslim. It was later um, uh, developed uh, in America, but the first flight attempted for a plane was by a Muslim. Uh, there's so many Technolo technological and philosophical and mathematical advances that took place in that golden era, the knowledge of which the Western world is still benefiting from. The father of med medicine, a Muslim, uh, he identified cancer. Um, and, and what really surprises me is that uh, one, of the, uh, one of the founders of um, the Andromeda galaxy, uh, Abdullah al-Sufi, uh, he found one of the stars within a separate galaxy. And this is how far, Mawlana, we've, we've fallen as, as, as Muslim Ummah. By detaching ourselves from secular society and secular knowledge, um, we call it secular knowledge, I say it's all to do with Islam, is that in his generation, he founded a star in a, a different galaxy outside our solar system outsider, millions of miles away. Today, we are finding difficulty to find the moon for Eid. Allah. <laughs> this is how far we've fallen. So we, it's we're a, just told, you know, uh, when we talk about our golden past, where we had scientists, we had people who were inventing things. But now, uh, what can be the reason? Well, one of the reasons you did mention before, the separation of religion and uh, making this differentiation between religion and secular studies. But is there somewhere, you know, personally, you think as a Muslim, personally, we might be responsible for that? The personal responsibility does lie, irrespective of what politics and corruption and colonialism has done. Um, there is a huge responsibility on us that we haven't realized what has happened. This realization should have happened a long time ago. Um, but the, the unfortunate thing is that corruption and politics plays a large part. Society, and, and especially Muslims, have not pushed towards uh, advancing uh, in secular, what we call secular education, the sciences because it's always deemed as something which is separate to deen. In fact, it isn't. Talib al-ilm faridatun ala kulli muslim is it's a demand, it's a compulsory, it's mandatory to seek knowledge, but it doesn't stipulate what type of knowledge. And it says, uh, and it doesn't stipulate whether it's for man or woman. And we have this situation where Muslims are criticized that women have not been given authority and power. Look at this, if it is to be believed that um, knowledge is power, more powerful than physical power, more powerful than money, more powerful than anything else. And it is true, knowledge is power. Then here, uh, women have been given absolutely the same right to seek knowledge as men have. And if they wanted to get above men, all they have to do is attain knowledge. Yet our culture and the background that we come from, unfortunately, there is restriction in women getting uh, educated. And that's a failure on our part. It doesn't mean that they continue to abide by the Islamic uh, responsibilities and their duties, but even for parenting. For parenting, uh, you could be the worst parent uh, without education, without knowledge, and you may destroy society and bring up a child that may cause chaos uh, and corruption. Whereas if you are educated into parenting skills, and I've tried this during the lockdown, not everyone can be a parent. You would have thought that somebody who is, alhamdulillah, blessed with uh, quite a, a few skill sets yeah. that it would be easy for me to parent a child but during the lockdown when the schools were, were closed children they are there at home children at home 24 7 24 7 
uh, and I respect all the mothers, I respect all the fathers who have the responsibility uh, because usually I'm out, I'm in the office, I'm in court but uh, I was given this opportunity where I realized uh, that uh, being a parent is, is, a, is a really a, a big blessing. Absolutely. There's so many skill sets. For, for a lawyer, I can go into court uh, and I need uh, my ability to express myself, persuasion skills, understanding uh, the areas that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm talking about. But as a parent, you know, you've got to have patience. You've you got to have the manipulative ability to be able to, <laughs> to, to manipulate the child. You have to be able to spend that time with them and lower your understanding at their level. There's so many different skill sets. I don't want to go into great detail. Okay. So, but, but that is like, a blessing in itself. So education is important, just not for your livelihood, but even to manage other things in your life. Education is everywhere. everywhere. Every aspect of life has education. I still remember, I think it was uh, last to last Juma. I prayed in Manchester. And you mentioned something about language there. Mm. Language which is spoken by our youth and uh, the way they speak. Sometimes they get so used to it, like it is sometimes difficult for them to relate themselves in, in a good way. <laughs> uh, so again, there I think you were trying to mention how education, you know, changes someone even in terms of how they speak or how they hold conversation with anyone? <laughs> Education, um, I, I, was, um, I was attending um, a gathering prior to the lockdown and it was an interesting gathering where professionals and businessmen and, and alike, like-minded individuals were gathered. And one of the questions that resonated in each of the conversations uh, in that gathering was, which book are you reading now? Which book are you reading now? And whoever I went to speak to, they would ask the same question. And it was amazing that the emphasis of that gathering was education and knowledge. By him asking the question, it prodded me to find the book that I was reading to discuss. Because the, after asking that question, they wanted to learn whether it was good, whether it was bad, and they wanted to share that knowledge. And the question I want to give to the, the, the audiences is, ask that question. Ask that question to your children, ask that question to your uncles and aunties, and be prepared that if somebody asks you that question, read a book. The more you read, there are so many benefits. Not only do you um, grasp the knowledge of the subject matter, but the language improves. The more you read, the more language improves. It is the basis of improving your language. And if the language improves, then that allows you to express yourself. If you can express yourself, subhanAllah, that avoids 90% of people's problems. I get cases where people are conflicting with each other, that are arguing with each other, that have fallen out with each other. Businesses have disrupted and destroyed because they're not able to reach a settlement based on language barrier. He is saying one thing and he's saying another. Essentially, if they were to turn it in a different way, they will fit in absolutely fine. Marriages have been broken because of language used. Bad language, good language. And being able to express is uh, a skill that every single Muslim should have. Huzu arrived and the Qabail had disputes going back generations. And he وسلم, brought them together based on beauty of language. He brought them together and their disputes were resolved. So this is something that every single Muslim should be proud of and should try and uh, attain as much as they can. That language is a powerful tool, one of the most powerful tools that will solve them with a lot of, uh, a lot of problems. And about reading, I can remember Hazrat Amir Sunidat Islami, he was giving some motivational speech somewhere. He gave one statement saying, if you want to be a leader, you need to be a reader. <laughs> And even last session, what we, uh, when we had about CV, so even the brother who was uh, delivering it, at the end he mentioned, if you want to really be good and exceptional, you need to keep on reading, mm -hmm. keep on reading. Uh, now, question to you, uh, Moin Bhai, you know, uh, Alhamdulillah, sometimes when we see people around us, okay, I go to masjid, I meet people, I see, alhamdulillah, uh, within our community, we see doctors, we see pharmacists, we see lawyers, we see solicitors, we see people in different professions. Mm -hmm. 
Now, someone who must be watching this program right now, they might feel that, you know, we've got so many professionals around our society. So why are we talking about it? So is there really, you know, dire need to talk about education? Where do we stand as Muslim community globally? And particularly when we talk about UK, when it comes to education? <laughs> the lack of education within the Muslim community is so bad. It is so bad that um, one particular writer said, I'm just trying to find his, uh, his quote, uh, Spain, he says, that Spain is hardly an intellectual uh, superpower within the educated Western world. Spain is quite down the list. But he refers to this, he says, it translated more books in a single year than the entire Arab world in the past thousand years. Oh, no. There are more universities in one Western country than five or six Muslim countries put together. The situation is really bad, to the extent, and this is, this is the problem, if we do not educate ourselves, people like our Prime Minister Boris Johnson, before he became Prime Minister, he wrote uh, a thesis. And in the thesis, he says that the lack of advancement within the Muslim uh, uh, community is nothing to do with Muslims, it's to do with Islam. Allah. So the damage that we have done by not educating ourselves is the finger being pointed towards Islam. We are doing damage to Islam because we are representatives of Islam. We are role models for Islam. And if we are only going to be at the bottom tier of academia, bottom tier of professions, bottom tier of education, then that's the example that we are setting for Islam. So, so sometimes, you know, we as a Muslim, we need to take that responsibility that our actions are judged not only as an individual, whatever we do can go back to Islam as well as a religion. And this uh, reminds me of an article which was published in Guardian and uh, the heading of that article was that Muslims less likely to be awarded top class degree. And when I read that, uh, I was a bit concerned <laughs> that uh, what is that thing which made them to publish this article? Of course, they've got their own research there. They have tried to compare Muslim community with other denominations which are there in, uh, you know, with different religion. And based on that, they came with this conclusion. So what would you like to say about this? Uh, there's, there's two aspects of this. One is it's only referring to the UK and it's referring to higher education universities. In 2019, there was a report done that the top three uh, performing schools were Muslims, Muslim Islamic schools. Subhanallah. Top three in the entire country, United Kingdom. In the top ten, there were four. Subhanallah. But the top three are Muslim. This is in 2019. In 1960s and 70s, 20 to 30% of the Muslim children went to college or university. Only 20 to 30% of the population. Because majority were inclined towards working and making their financial situation better. Fast forward 2019 and 2020, 60 to 70% of Muslim children now go to higher education. So we have come quite far from where we were before. Now this article refers to not secondary school or college, higher education in universities, that we are not getting into Oxford and Cambridge and places like that. And it is true. And the reason for that is, uh, first and foremost, Islamoph Islamophobia. At the moment, there is Islamophobia all around the world, anti-Islamic feeling. Uh, but more to do with our own um, inability to continue that high level of education. We've reached a certain point, but we haven't been able to then push that forward. And I believe personally this is to do with uh, personal circumstances, that when somebody uh, achieve something at university, he has a degree, or even at college, he wants to do something to uh, secure his financial position. In as much as the 20-30% and those in the 60s and 70s did, the new generation are thinking the same way. 
The people who go to the higher education and are able to, there's two reasons why they do it. First of all, their families are rich and they pay for it um, and they come from a secure financial position. The majority of the Muslim uh, people are, are not in that situation. And secondly, they are in circles and environments where Muslims do not um, accommodate. And so you, you have to be in a particular environment to be able to uh, act in a particular way, you know, say in a particular way, and Muslims have those restrictions. But the article that I disagree with is uh, can that... I, can I just cut you there, sir? Yeah. We'll come back to that art article, Moinbai. Uh, you know, I, well, I get that feeling. And I think I've spoken to a few other, you know, our brothers whom I were, even one sister. And uh, they say somewhere, you know, because of uh, uh, Islam, you know, you can't go out for drinks after work. Mm -hmm. Okay. There are some other things, you know, the way uh, other people, the way they socialize, we can't do that. So sometimes you think, is this the thing which stops someone from, uh, you know, excelling or going ahead in their career? So, so this is called the glass ceiling. Uh, female, uh, the women in this country have always argued that the women have not been able to break the glass ceiling. There's always a ceiling which is, you can't see it. Yeah. It's made out of glass, but there is a ceiling there for them. They can only progress so far after that it's only male. And Muslims feel that there is also a glass ceiling, that they can only progress so far, but the discrimination of that glass ceiling doesn't allow them to progress any further because you don't look like a particular way, you don't behave like a particular way, and you don't, um, you don't hang around with certain groups in a particular way. Um, and that is going to happen. It's going to happen in any environment. That's quite normal. My advice uh, to people like that is, uh, this is part of our struggle. This is part of our internal struggle to have Islam, Deen, as well as Dunya. And if you are struggling, and struggle you should. If you look at those people in uh, unfortunate Muslim countries where their life is being put on the line, uh, places like Burma, places like uh, Syria, all these places where they are facing difficulties, this struggle is nothing in comparison. So we should look at those situations and keep struggling to advance, but with integrity, with honesty, with decency, with all the moral values and principles that Islam has given. I also employ solicitors and lawyers. I look out for people in as much as other employers look out for. People who have integrity, people who have honesty, dedication, they're willing to go that extra mile. They want to work hard and um, not play the politics and not do shortcuts not have that impression that I want to, you know, grab something now, I want to succeed something now. They're in it for the long run and they want dedication and success. Employers love those type of people. And this is, alhamdulillah, inherited in Islam. It's perfect. Like ethics, uh, which are basis for all professions. All professions, You yes. know, they are taught to us when we do them courses. But alhamdulillah, when you learn that, then you feel honesty, integrity. These all things are given to us by... Islam, mashallah. And if we stick to it, inshallah, the struggle is going to be there, but uh, uh, we will succeed, inshallah, if we keep on trying. <laughs> Absolutely, inshallah. The Guardian article, before we move on to another topic, is, is very um, contradictory in one aspect, because it seems to blame Islam for the lack of progression of Muslims and their practices. Yet then it goes on to say the highest achievers are the Jewish community. And there's nothing wrong with them practicing and, and progressing. So it goes to show that it's not Islam, it's not religion, it is discrimination that is currently prevalent at the moment, a lack of understanding of Islam. Discrimination I wouldn't blame in itself. I would say it's our inability to not have been able to show what the beauty of Islam is. And if we are trying to pretend to be someone else, then that's always going to deem to fail. You will succeed to an extent, but in reality you are failing. The best I want you to emphasize on that point. <laughs> Elaborate a little bit more. On uh, people who are... To be what you are. What you are. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is hard to maintain your integrity as a Muslim, to you know, have the beard, uh, to try and read namaz uh, during work time. To, um, you know, to practice as much as you can 
uh, whilst maintaining your character of integrity. There's no point in practicing and not having the integrity. Everything has to go hand in hand. Um, and it is a struggle. It is an internal jihad, um, and it's something that uh, I would recommend, but insist on, that every Muslim person does that. In the short term, it is a failure. But Muslims are not all about short term. A Muslim's perspective, it is not even the end of life. A Muslim's perspective is what happens in the Akhirah. So we play the long game. And in the long game, you have to have patience. And you have to have sabr. And those people who do sabr, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with them. Indeed, without doubt, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with those who do sabr. And if you are successful, then you should be doing shukr. There's only two states of mind that a Muslim should be in. Either he's doing patient because he's not succeeding, and if he is patient, he should be happy because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with him. And if he's succeeding, he should do shukr because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given him that ni'mah. So in those both situations, he should be happy. A mu'min should never be unhappy. But the dedication and the advancement and the desire to proceed and move forward should always be there. And that's the hardest part, to keep yourself motivated. And for that, you need to look towards the deen as much as you can whilst you are practicing. Because if you have that connection with the deen, then the solutions and the answers will always come, inshallah. So, you know, the generation which came first to UK, now, Alhamdulillah, majority of the people whom we see around us, they are second or third generation. Alhamdulillah, we saw a struggle in the life of uh, the first generation. They had to establish themselves. Now, even with second generation, they are trying, but they need to try a little bit more harder to establish their identity in a better way, to prove that what they are, same time carrying Islamic identity as well. Uh, Can I just put an example to that? Yeah, yeah. In the... 50s and 60s, certain families came and they very quickly lost to the secular environment that we're in um, and they lost their deen, drank alcohol, got involved in this, that and their generations are nowhere to be seen. Those who came and struggled to maintain their connection, built masajids, um, you know, maintained the deen as, as strongly and firmly as they could have their generations have, alhamdulillah, progressed into education. So the struggle isn't as basic as surviving your finances, building a masjid. Now the struggle is a bit more, um, not direct, it's indirect. And that is education, profession, standards, raising the level of the character and morals and values. Subhanallah, subhanallah, subhanallah. I will, uh, you know, once you mentioned about the generation which was involved in uh, safeguarding their faith, safeguarding their religion, inshallah, I'll come to that uh, later. But I've got another question. You know, audiences who are listening to us right now, they must be thinking, why should I acquire knowledge? You know, there's a person who has just finished his school, straight to work, straight to business. And there's someone who will go to, you know, university, spend another three, four years, five years there. So what difference does education make or what does someone acquire, what does someone gain uh, if he goes through this education system? The, oh, the, where do you start? <laughs> the difference between an educated person and an uneducated person is between the skies and the earth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Holy Quran expressly states um, that the, those, who are not, who, those who have attained knowledge have different darajat, their levels are much higher. He, in fact, he poses a question. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Hal, do you believe that there is equality between those who have knowledge and those who don't have knowledge? It's a rhetorical question. Do you believe that there is an, uh, there is a, an equality? Those people who have knowledge are the same people as those who don't have knowledge? No, they're not. Those who have knowledge are much higher. Those on the uh, students, this is not even people who have acquired knowledge, students who step out to seek knowledge. The fish in the seas, what do they do? Make dua for, them. Make dua for them. If they were to uh, pass away whilst they're trying to acquire knowledge, they're given the maqam of shahada. The angels lower their wings for students of knowledge. Knowledge is sacred. And this knowledge, this is, a, this is where the key is. 
This knowledge is not restricted to dini knowledge. This knowledge is about dunya as well, but within the light of deen. Subhanallah. This knowledge is about the sciences, but within the light of deen. Once you understand the deen, the golden era, the reason why it was successful for such a long time, six, seven hundred years, it was so successful, is because there was an infrastructure. Uh, a, a, a child was born, he would... His foundations was based on deen. By the time he was 7, 8, 9 to 12, he would be Hafiz al-Qur'an. After being Hafiz al-Qur'an, he would do the dars in Nizami or similar structure. He will know his aqaid and he will know all the fundamentals of Islam. And then when he is uh, in his teenage years, he will start his higher education to his college and university. And he will go into his sciences. This is why when there was a doctor, he was an alim. When he was an engineer, he was an alim. When he was an astronomer, he was an alim. His foundation was an alim. And this is the society that we need to have, that um, the ilm of the deen needs to be the foundation for the dunya. So I think uh, all those parents who are listening to us right now, this is what they need to take from this uh, talk show. That when we are emphasizing on acquiring worldly education, Firstly, we need to make sure that our children, they have got strong religious education. The foundation of religion is strong in them. And that is by sending them to madrasas which are there and making sure that they have got basic understanding of religion. And once they have got that, inshallah, and if they carry on with their worldly education, there will be, I think you said something in, li in the light of religious education. So coming back, have you got anything more to add on that golden era you were mentioning? <laughs> on the golden era, yeah, education itself uh, gives you financial stability. You asked that question. Yeah. It gives you financial stability. It secures you. I, uh, when I was at uh, leaving school and going on to college, university, I had no idea because the peers around me, there was no role model at that time in the 1980s that there were lawyers or doctors, very few exceptional, certainly in my environment, yeah. there weren't. So I was a leading individual within the Muslim sphere yeah. trying to be a lawyer. And I didn't know what life is going to be like. I only believed in what my father had told me. And that's it. The accepted without question. And this is the beauty thing, that when you are within the deen or the sphere of deen and the light of deen, whichever direction you go, you're always going to be successful. If you listen to your mother, Jannat is at the feet of so the mother, look at the face of your father in lovingly, you get the reward of a hajj. You know, these morals are never taught anywhere else. So... We accepted, I accepted. And then I realized afterwards, once you are a, uh, a lawyer and you're practicing, that the security that you have is uh, unbelievable. My peers who didn't educate themselves, they're still trying to struggle in life. And it isn't easy because your entire life is then based on trying to secure your finances. Whereas those who are professionals, who are accountants and doctors and um, and, and we shouldn't restrict them, by, by the way, in these categories because we have been criticized as a community to be only doctors and lawyers. Technology is now the key. I'll give you a very simple example of how education is very important and powerful. Someone who invented, someone who had knowledge and educated himself, if he had stuck to being a taxi driver or being um, having the knowledge of taxi driving and nothing else. He didn't go out and think about other stuff. He wouldn't have bought technology and created Uber. Yeah. Someone who simply thought of connecting in social friends didn't bring technology in. The knowledge of technology, he wouldn't have created Facebook. These are multi-billion dollar industries only because of knowledge of technology. I would say for the Muslim generation, Yes, if you have a traditional route and safe route of academia, then go into the traditional uh, fields like lawyers and doctors. But technology, bring that in and be versatile in your knowledge. Open yourself up because everything has uh, an ability to advance. A Muslim should be at the head of that. 
Yeah, a very important point addressed. Otherwise, I think every parent in our community has dream either their children should become doctor yeah. or either and uh, alhamdulillah, like even if someone uh, chooses any other profession, uh, even financially they are compensated well. It all depends. And again, uh, I think we can we should leave it to students or any child to choose. Uh, but again, what do you say? Don't you feel within our society, even child is brought up in an environment where they decide about what they need to do in their life based on what uh, what is going to be financial benefit from this profession? Or maybe they are not aware of, uh, you know, other uh, opportunities that are available within the place where they are. <laughs> Education and uh, jobs and profession, predominantly it does because this is the source of income for people to survive. Mm -hmm. So it's a necessity and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think parents are also protective of that. This is why they go for the safe and secure jobs. Mm -hmm. Somebody asked me, um, you know, is foot playing football, is that Islamic? So <laughs> I said, uh, is there something wrong with it? Is it haram? He said, no, because parents only go for doctors and lawyers and engineers and accountants, but they never mentioned football. Yeah. So I said, yes, of course it's Islamic. Uh, earning uh, money from that is, is halal. Uh, you give enjoyment, you give a uh, smile uh, to people who support you. Uh, and, and smiling is, is sadaqah. Um, and what, uh, he says, what happens when we lose? He says, well, you know, sadaqah doesn't come just by <laughs> smiling all the time. You need to have the balance. So uh, families, and I think the second generation, as you mentioned, the third generation, understand the versatility of professions. Yeah. Um, that it's not restricted to those traditional um, jobs. Um, financial security is important. It's very important because in this society, if you don't have that, then you can't do anything else. You can't dedicate your time to anything else. Mm -hmm. um, so it's right that they think about the finances. If they have further time, they continue their education and ilm as much as they can. Yeah, it happens when I'm in madrasa and sometimes, uh, you know, if I'm late because of some office work or anything, then so many of the students in madrasa, they know I work somewhere and then I finish work. And sometimes, uh, uh, Maulana, how much do you earn? <laughs> so is it, is it uh, for you to decide, do you want to go this route or not? I said, there will be many professions where people might be earning more than what I earn. And again, everyone has got dream to go into football as well. So, so first was financial benefit if someone acquires knowledge. Mm -hmm. Any other benefit you think about someone can get or if we haven't touched uh, in, in conversation what we had so far? The, the benefits are vast. So we have, um, we mentioned financial benefit. We mentioned uh, language uh, and the power of language and how that could um, solve a lot of issues and problems. People who have the ability to um, articulate, um, you know, family problems are less uh, because they're able to resolve a lot of issues. The third benefit is, is character and um, the stability of a character. The instability of someone who's not educated is, is, is volatile. He is prone to be influenced by different people because he doesn't have his own strong personal character of understanding where somebody's coming. It might be, he might be that he's, he's, he wants to take advantage of him. Mm. If you have knowledge, understanding, you know that he's, not, he's trying to abuse you or he's, he's trying to influence you. I've had that so many times, uh, people who are trying to come and say, well, you can do this, you can do this, this is a shortcut. And if you don't have knowledge, you can, you can f quite easily fall in that trap. So it gives you personal stability and character, which is really important, credibility and integrity. These things you cannot put a price on. Deen does, the principles of Deen, but by practice in your profession, in your job, this is a, a long-term uh, skill set that you can actually apply. But if you don't have a job, the integrity and honesty and all those principles that you learn, you're not actually applying in life. So, so it gives you that uh, sense, of, sense of security. So when you are educated, you are secure uh, in the knowledge that that can't be taken away from you. If you earn a business and business is the only income that brings you but business goes, then what do you have? You have to be then reliant on others, which comes on to the fifth point. And again, if someone has education and even if they want to go, uh, you know, to, or if, they want, if they want to take the route which, is, which takes them to business, 
uh, I think they can do it better if they have some education. Yes, that my, my, uh, so my apologies. It's not to say that businessmen are not uh, educated. <laughs> Uh, but those, the yeah. example was for businessmen who, who are not gone through the education process. Uh, but you're right that those businesses who have educated uh, people in there, their uh, ability to advance is much quicker and better compared to those who don't. And they are reliant on others. If a businessman is trying to advance, he's reliant on five, six different people to continuously feed him information, to continuously provide him service. And he doesn't know whether the service is right or wrong he'd have to use his other skill sets to be able to decipher whether it's good for him or not. Whereas an educated person, he has a good guess and he can rationalize and move very quickly in making decisions. Making decisions is another, another advantage. You're not reliant on other people. You're not having to ask people, can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? What does this mean? What does that mean? How do I do this? How do I do that? You're constantly relying. Whereas an educated person can decipher himself. So you, the life itself becomes very easy uh, and smooth and less complicated when you have education. Like even uh, in terms of, you know, the way community is looked at when there are people with education, they live it within that community. And one of the examples, especially if we've got audiences uh, from India, uh, in India, the southern part of India has got one state, Kerala. Mm -hmm. And it's known for, I hope I'm not wrong, but it's 100% literacy rate. Somehow. That's what it's known for, mm -hmm. that uh, Alhamdulillah, that state has got literacy where most of the population is literate. So even uh, I think this is the benefit which comes back to uh, community if there are more and more educated people staying there. You become, um, I've also heard of Kerala. I haven't had the opportunity to go, inshallah. Uh, I would I'd love to go. This is where we want to be. If that is a template, an example where 100% literacy rate, we want that. And if we were to see none of them, are, you wouldn't say that they are not benefiting from education. They are benefiting from education. Uh, I've got, I think, a few questions from uh, uh, YouTube and uh, someone has sent me a question. Uh, what is your advice to the successful brothers and sisters who have been blessed with the success in business or profession? And how can they help the community, not in a form of finance, but how they can help with the experience, etc. Just to uh, inform our audiences, uh, one of the reasons to call uh, Moin Bhai to this program is uh, that Alhamdulillah Moin Bhai, he runs a, a law firm and he is actively involved with the Masajid Alhamdulillah, he is uh, in the management or the management committee of North Manchester Jamia Mosque. He has uh, got important position in uh, Manchester Muslim College and he is actively involved with Minab as well. And not only this, Alhamdulillah, uh, for last few months what I've seen, the reflection of Mufakkir Islam, you know, he has concern for Ahlul Sunnah Wal Jama'ah, he has got concern for our community. Whenever he hears something and he tries to contact people to see if he can help them in a situation. And I don't want to mention few situations where he contacted me, but if he sees if there are any Muslim institutions, organizations, if they need any help, he's there to help them. And not only this very important point, what uh, everyone who's listening to us can take, that Alhamdulillah, he's barrister, he owns a law firm, but in the situation where our community needs help from every Muslim individual, Moin Bhai, he is also involved in, in, in helping with the janaza, like whether it is to do ghusl for people who have passed with COVID-19 or it is to help with the kafan and dafan and everything. So Alhamdulillah, uh, I feel, you know, Alhamdulillah, he is so much involved. So what will be your advice, uh, Moin Bhai, to people? Uh, there's someone who's asked this question. Not only finance, Alhamdulillah, people, they help us, you know, whenever we ask them. But... Uh, Apart from finance, how someone who is in some professional or someone who is in profession or someone who is successful, how can they give something back to community? And I think this will cover one of the questions what I had in my mind, that what is the responsibility of anyone, alhamdulillah, who has succeeded in their worldly life? <laughs> Whoever succeeds in worldly life should always leave behind um, individuals who will always um, uh, do du'a for them. 
Um, I have always been open to providing um, new budding lawyers opportunities in my firm. And I would say that those who are businessmen, those who are professionals, they provide that opportunity, open the doors for youngsters who want to come and provide work experience. Um, I can't imagine, I can't count the number of uh, students who've come into the firm and they've obtained references from me. They've worked for weeks or months or a certain period of time where they've moved on to bigger and multinational firms because of the work experience. Uh, one of the, and, and I, I reflect back in my, my own experiences, for four years, um, I was looking for a job. Four years. Um, and it was hard. Because when you do a, a degree education, there is an expectancy that you should start a job. And there's an expectancy by the families and the people and environment around you. Uh, notwithstanding all the connections, within the legal profession, it's a very closed circle. Um, so, and I, and I uh, give that same example for students who are coming up, that they need to, at an early age, school, college, decide where they want to go, be serious in their career, and once they've chosen that, then stick by it. At university, I, when I was in my first year, I met a, a someone, um, and when I left, he was still doing his first year, the third degree because he couldn't decide where he wanted to be. So stick by, uh, rationalize, speak to people, get advice, and once you've understood where you want to be, then stick by it and work hard and get experience. So if you want to go into medicine, uh, go into um, you know, doctors and, um, and environments where you can gain uh, physical experience. And continue to be in that environment because the more you are in that environment, the more knowledge you will acquire. Sure. Similar with accountancy, some with the law, in any profession. Um, and I would say that those people who have succeeded, they open the doors to those youngsters as much as they can to come in and just learn. They're not going to do complicated things, but simply being in, in the environment has a huge impact on their uh, psyche, on their credibility, on their character. Somebody who came in, I was an accountant actually, uh, shared your profession, Morana, um, and he worked at some of the SRA accounts uh, for, for my firm. Yeah. Um, and I allowed that because uh, he had credibility, I, I, know, I knew him. And now he's, he's, he's successful in a really large firm doing exactly that. Uh, dealing with SRA accounts for law firms all around the country. Why? Because at an early age, he was given that experience and that's a USP that's a unique selling point so you need any student needs to have a USP what is their skill set because if you are doing what everyone else is doing then you're not getting ahead so the USP must be going to a, a business going to a particular profession get the uh, work done early get the experience uh, continue to educate yourself within that profession Continue to read the books, continue to, so that you master it. And by the time you apply, when the questioner is asking you, you have not only one answer, but you have 10 answers. In practical answers, as well as theoretical answers. So I would say that if you can open the door to the youngsters, that in itself, and uh, advertise as much as you can, uh, so that it's not just opening the door to one or two, as much as you can, mm -hmm. and continue that, because that's free, it's not causing you any problems, and it's within a safe environment that you can help the community, inshallah. SubhanAllah. And uh, again, uh, this platform is there. If anyone thinks that if they have got any skills or any knowledge to share with the, you know, the mass audience so that this can help them to get a little bit of insight in profession or businesses they have, alhamdulillah, they can use this platform of hope to share this so that at least uh, people then they can decide what they can do. Uh, I've got one more question that is again, uh, I think that's come online. Uh, how could you be a good Muslim without upsetting your indirect uh, Islamophobic people in the in UK? The answer to that is that the problem lies with the Islamophobic people, not you. Yeah. So if you're trying to appease Islamophobic people, uh, then that's not the right approach. 
what I would say, and this is a caveat, what I would say is not to um, force religion uh, to non-religious people. What I mean by force is demand that you must have a prayer area, demand that you, know, you must have a wudu facility, demand that you know, your break time is one hour for, uh, you know, for, for prayers or 15 minutes. Do as much as you can within a reasonable amount. Yes, request. If the request is denied, then that's fine. Don't fight it, don't take it to the courts. Because we're living in an environment where it is a, it is a real struggle. Do what you can. Um, also, in conversations, in conversations, uh, learn the beautiful ahadith sharif of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and in conversations bring that in without reference to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, without reference to Quran, without reference to Islam. This is a quiet way of. Um, informing the beauty of Islam because once somewhere down the line they will they will pick up that again they will know that it came from a particular source yeah I can remember uh, especially when I used to work uh, in Manchester so whenever I sneezed uh, I heard them saying bless you bless you so then I asked once what's the reason for you to say this and uh, the lady said, you know, I don't know now because most of them, they, they are not that strong in their religion. They say, but we've been doing it. So then I said, well, this is something, you know, in Islam, we meant to do it. When we sneeze, we say, Alhamdulillah. And the person who listens to, us, uh, listen, listens to it, he needs to say, Yarhamukallah. And it's somewhere along them same lines. And then they were surprised. And likewise in Ramadan, that's the, I think it's one of the, best time where people they try to learn something about Islam and uh, for them it's it's very surprising to see someone uh, fasting maybe for 20 hours 19 hours without water without food and I think it's every year not only me there'll be many brothers and sisters uh, they must be getting this question uh, you know the, they'll find their non-muslim work colleagues saying to them I think you've got mistaken somewhere you should be at least allowed to have water so, so there are different ways how Islam can be communicated to them and well the main purpose is to so, show the character what character. Islam has given to us. Main, main is character integrity. Yeah. It's, I, when I say a long term I, I don't mean um, uh, in any other way except that your character needs to shine through. Even the most Islamophobic individuals when they see that this person is honest he has integrity. Um, all he is doing is wants to work. He doesn't want to get involved in politics. Talk about this person or that person. He doesn't want to manipulate. He's not a deceptive person. He doesn't have an agenda. When they realize over a period of time, the light of that individual, that Muslim, will shine through. Because he will, he will realize that there's nothing wrong with this person. And they themselves will approach. The short term is hard. The short term is a struggle. When I say soft approach, I don't necessarily mean that you need to crush your religious beliefs or, or like that, mazallah. Maintain your integrity with religion at all times. Uh, don't compromise on that, but obviously don't force it up upon anyone. It's nearly one hour, we've been talking. <laughs> I think one last question and inshallah we will conclude with some final remarks from you. You know, there are many youngsters, uh, I think you've slightly touched on that, but if you can elaborate a little bit more. You know, after completion of their degree, uh, if they don't get, get into any successful career. I've seen uh, many youngsters, maybe they've done degree in business, they've done their degree in economics or something, but now they've ended up working in call center or not in a profession they should be in. Mm. So what will be your advice to them? Getting a, a job in a, in a particular profession that you have aspired to, you have educated yourself, isn't easy. And I have seen for myself that the number of tests that Muslims who are practicing Muslims have to go through, and it's, it's, uh, it's very difficult. I myself, I expressed that I had to wait four years uh, before I managed to get into an area where I wanted to be. Uh, but there are a number of reasons why this happens. One is 
you yourself as individual haven't attained the characteristics or knowledge or um, qualities or the skill sets to be able to do that job. And so those qualities and skill sets need to be attained. And whilst you are working in call centers, continue with the dedication of acquiring that rather than sitting back and thinking what's going to happen. Innovative ways need to be found out where you can acquire those skill sets and advance. Um, secondly, if you have tried and tried and tried and there's a constant failure, then you have to think that this profession may not be more suitable for you. Risk is written, so you will get what is written for you anyway, so whether this it's this profession or that profession. SubhanAllah, so this is a very good point you've mentioned. Keep trying, but there will be a time where you need to decide and say, well, this is not for me. <laughs> Versati versatility and fluidity is uh, the two aspects that people need to keep in mind. That just because you've not been successful in one profession or one area doesn't necessarily mean that you may not be successful in another. Um, but the dedication and the open-mindedness needs to be there and not uh, an attitude of failure or dismay or character which is subdued and, and depressive. That is very easy to fall into um, because, you know, my own experience is the four years is not easy. When you're not doing anything, the mind wanders and you have to keep yourself uh, involved in the books or with people around that will keep you motivated or and, uh, in terms of getting skill sets, do free work. Yeah. One of the best one of be best advices I would say is um, do if you can offer free work in a profession that you are wanting to go into and there are nothing there's nothing else available for you. Offer free work because after the free work the value of your skill and the experience that you have is unmeasurable. Because once you put that into CVs, when you apply next, then they will see that this person actually in the interview understands what he's talking about, he understands his area. So uh, an insight knowledge is offer that. I was fully, uh, for full capacity in my, in my firm. I remember a lady who offered that and I said, for oh, free work. <laughs> they want to dedicate free work for a whole year. For a whole year. After six months, I started paying because it was unfair. Um, but they applied. They had the, after, the, after the first full year of experience, she was able to uh, apply to another firm and get a position. Whereas five years prior to that, she had no job whatsoever. So even if it means twisting and, and, and you know, doing whatever you can within the rules, try to do that. Offer the free work. Um, continue to educate, continue to do masters, for example. There's always teaching. Teaching is a, an area that is in demand, is in need. Um, so if you have educated yourself to be an accountant or engineer or whatever, and you're not being able to get into that profession, try teaching. After, after teaching, you can always come back to the private and profession And I think well. uh, government has come out with some scheme where they want, if people, they are getting into teaching, they provide them with financial support, especially if someone wants to teach maths or something. And I know uh, there's brother who used to work in finance. Mm. Now he's working as teacher and uh, I will be talking to him if he's gone through that route of uh, becoming a teacher. So we might bring in session where, you know, people, if they have done some degree, they can get into teaching and uh, establish themselves as teachers, mashallah. So, mind my uh, final thing, you know, something personal uh, to you, uh, we want to know. Alhamdulillah, uh, you have your own law firm. And of course, like if someone works somewhere is different, but managing that law firm, then taking your time out for masjid, like uh, I don't come for Juma a lot, but I've seen whenever you come for Juma, it's good few hours you dedicate yourself in masjid, you stay there. I see you involved many times, youngsters coming for you, seeking advice and getting involved, like especially with uh, even Manchester Muslim College, I've seen you, you're very closely involved in running of that as well. So what is that thing which has helped you or what, what is that thing which makes you to do all this? Like even after having a busy life, 
in regards to your work life you're still taking out time for all these things what is that thing which is motivating you or what is that thing uh, which is helping you to do these things <laughs> gosh it's a good question <laughs> honestly i have no idea no idea <laughs> and this is not something that the the feeling for the ummah has always been there but for a long time whilst i was a student and the initial part of my career um, I wasn't able to offer what I'm doing now. But Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed me with an opportunity where people at the firm can uh, do things themselves and that I can take this time out. So now I believe that if that opportunity has been given to me, then it will be wasted if I didn't. And it's not a thought process that goes into mind. So I don't think that I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do that. Mm. It just happens. For me, um, I would say it's the blessings from my father that this feeling has, has been come down from him to me uh, with regards to the Ummah and the, the feeling is to help. And my, my, my name is Mu'een, you know, the Madadgar, the helper. So that natural feeling is there anyway. Um, but yeah, Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed me with that feeling and may he continue to take the work whatever I can offer, inshallah. Subhanallah, Subhanallah. Uh, so, Moin by uh, final, uh, you know, we'll conclude this program. Any final advice to all of our audiences? Anything you want to say before we wrap this up? So. Um, I would say that this uh, platform that's been created, um, uh, it's uh, a, a brilliant and um, much needed platform for the Muslim community. Um, it is essential that uh, the students, the public, look towards education as the hope for the future. People have tried all sorts of methods of trying to push Islam, trying to um, push their ways and perspectives, and it, they're all failed. The only success is through education. We elevate ourselves, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised, knowledge elevates your character. We elevate ourselves, um, and that elevation in, in itself should allow the Muslim community to shine and this is a unique platform and I would say support this platform as much as you can uh, because it allows the reality of knowledge uh, of not only the deen but dunya as well which is essential for our lives.